This is Brian Foster, and we're streaming live to you on the Facebook site, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. It's Wednesday, uh, November 20th, 2019, and we're going to talk about a near-death experience. This program, I am coming from my book, What Really Happens During Near-Death Experiences According to Spiritism. And this is one of the near-death experiences that I have in the book. And what Spiritism does is it explains the context and why people saw what they saw. So we're going to get into this uh, very fast, and let's talk about what we're, what we're seeing here for the near-death experience of Rami. Now, Rami was very interesting. In fact, she had a near-death experience of which all of a sudden she could access everything. It was just amazing. So as I was saying, Spiritism, first let's talk about Spiritism. Spiritism was codified by Alan Kardec in the 1850s. Let me bring his book up because I recommend for anyone who really wants to understand why we are here on earth. Why do things happen to us? Why is our life the way it is? This will give you an explanation of what is going on. It's just, I mean, to me, when I saw, well, actually I should say I read uh, uh, Alan Kardec's book, uh, The Spirit's Book, it just, to me, it's what I've been looking for my whole life. And I didn't read it till I was in my late 40s. And it was just a revelation. And to me, it explained everything that I didn't understand before. Romney was in a car with her family. And what happened is their car went off the road and rolled down a mountain and flipping over multiple times. The passengers were traveling at rapid speed down a ravine as if they were in a barrel. Now, as this was happening, a voice spoke to Romney. Now, this account is taken from the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, nderf.org. And you can go to that site and see all sorts of wonderful stories about people's near-death experiences. So, as Romney, as a car went over the edge and repeatedly flipped end-to-end, -end, Romney heard a man's voice telling her that everything was going to be fine. And while the car crashed into the boulders and outcroppings on the side of the mountain, the voice told her to roll with the movement of the car. Then Romney describes what she felt next. Feeling absolute peace, I let myself roll. The voice came as if from inside of my head, but at the same time, it wasn't me. It was very comforting, stable, and strong. I did not recognize the voice, but I connected to it very deeply, and I knew I could trust it with all my heart. As I was rolling with every tumble, I suddenly wasn't in the car anymore. I experienced complete trust. So then she went on and said that pictures began to appear in Romney's mind, as if she was seeing a movie frame by frame. Although the film wasn't in perfect succession, some parts skipped ahead to different times of her life, with a narrow silver thread connecting one episode to another. When she mentally inquired about a specific scene, the answer came to her immediately. She began to feel as if, if she was part of the spirit world. This is what she wrote. This unfolding of pictures and gaps developed in progress continuously, presenting a constant, deli delicate, consequential line in perfect order, a chain of events, yet somehow they were all happening at once. The past, the present, the future were all happening at once. 
It was inspiring to witness the order and sense that all these little pictures seemed to have in the big picture. I felt a lot of compassion. I was all forgiven. In fact, there was nothing to forgive. So without her explicit knowledge, Romney was in a space between the physical and the spiritual life. She began to do what high spirits, as told to us by spiritism, are capable of. They access whatever memory they desire. So unbeknownst to us, we are a delicate recording instrument. While we continually struggle with our poor memories, forgetting tasks that we gave ourselves to do just moments ago, car keys lost in a place where we just put them, distractions cause us to completely blank out when, when and where we are supposed to meet a friend, all part of our normal routine. And we complain of being forgetful. In no fantasy universe do we ever expect perfect recall, except there is. It's another dimension. It's a spiritual dimension, and it's not a fantasy. It is actually the real world. This world we live in is the is a temporary world. This world we live in, we live in a dense shell, right? We're more matter than energy. Our spirit that actually lives in the other side, as the Druids call, calls it, in the spirit world, our spirit is attached to our earthly space suit, so it may be modified by our experiences during our classwork among the living, among the physical. While our bodies play out the scenarios presented to us, our spirit records everything. And these recordings can be used to investigate not only our actions, but the thought behind our deeds. Swedenborg, a famous Swedish medium, in the, in the 1700s, wrote about what he witnessed during his time in the spirit world. One instance concerns people who have passed away and were being judged. As usual with unrepentant criminals, they, can, they refuse to confess to the slightest infraction. Swedenborg tells us how the high spirits presented evidence to the contrary. This is what he said. To prevent them from believing they were blameless, everything was disclosed and drawn out of their memory in sequence from the beginning of their life to the end. Then he goes on to say, I have also heard that angels have seen and displayed from the memory of one individual everything he had thought one day after another over the course of a month with never an error, recalled as though he himself were back in those very days. So 300 years later, after 1700 up to 2000, Romney speaks about a constant, delicate, consequential line in perfect order, a chain of events, which implies a detailed record. Romney goes on to describe the finite detail and the method to fully explore her past experiences. As I was watching this linear unfolding of pictures, I realized that just by looking and focusing on a specific picture, zooming in on it, I could also enter that scene and then come back out of it, zoom out, and return to my place of observation. I looked back at my childhood. I could enter pictures there. From each picture, moment, or thought, there was always the possibility to access that light that separated between it and the next picture. I could also see all the thoughts I had all my life. Their pictures were as strong as the pictures that depicted action or words. I was amazed to see that our thoughts are that strong, so real. It looks like they were also threaded on a string of light. So, also, again, what Spiritism tells us, thoughts are action in the spirit world. In our physical life, thoughts 
their energy and they're recorded. But in the spirit life, we are trained to use our brain to create things. This is why we're being, we're being tested and tried and challenged in our physical life here on earth. We need to change our character and our emotions, get rid of the primitive aspects of our life and become more charitable, fraternal, fraternal and honest. And Swedenberg, who wrote about this, he was an upper-class educated person who lived in Sweden, but he wrote in Latin and traveled extensively in Europe at a time when questioning the tenets of Christianity was a dangerous business. He saw the same phenomena as Romney in our postmodern world, a world where to believe in God and spirits is thought as a handicap to rational thinking. So her, her near-death experience caused Romney to reflect about what this flawless memory means. This is what she said. I could see my life was the perfect manifestation of just what it was, who I was. There was complete acceptance, even of those moments that I remembered as less pleasant. My life, all our lives were threaded with this light that filled the gap between each picture. In the moments that we are open to it, we connect with it. It's that simple. It is there always. So. What is she seeing is the light. The light she's seeing is the what the light of love, right? Is is that's what high spirits tell us. And as you go higher and higher levels, that in the levels of heaven, that light becomes brighter and brighter. And high angels, they become they look like bright. You can't even see them, right? That's why they look like angels to us normal people because it's so fuzzy. It looks like they may have wings, but actually, it's the it's that light reflecting on them because they have so much love and it reflects the love. So watching the entire arc of her life, she saw the beauty of her assignment. She pictured the step-by-step -step progression of her spiritual awakening. She could feel the magnificence of the plan that was laid out for her, a plan in which she progresses from this life. She could look back and analyze each moment. Swedenborg takes the information and applies it to what Jesus told us. This is what he said. We may gather from these instances that we take our whole memory with us and that nothing is concealed in this world, that it will not be made known after death, made known in public according to the Lord's word. And this is what, what uh, the New Testament says in Luke chapter 12, verse 2 to 3. Nothing is hidden that will not be uncovered and nothing concealed that will not be known so what you have said in darkness will be heard in the light and what you have spoken in the ear will be proclaimed from the rooftops. Now, this is from the New Testament to Swedenborg in the 1700s, Allan Kardec in the spirit book in the 1800s to Romney. And this is the new, so this is what spiritism explains is these things like nothing is hidden. Nothing is going to, you can't conceal anything. The spirit brought to us by Alan Kardec, he codified what spirit told us, says that all our thoughts are tagged. Everything's recorded. There's nothing hidden. Everything is in that cloud. We know that now because we live in that. We live in a world, not that much, but we where everything is recorded, right? Everything, every click you make on your, on your phone is, is recorded so they, someone can sell you something. Well, it's all over. And it was told to us this fact that data is with us all the time was told to us in the New Testament. So the conclusion is clear. We can't just adjust our outer life and expect welcoming open arms upon our passing over. 
We must strive to adjust our thoughts and emotions. Everything we did has been watched. We don't just bring actions with us. We carry our memories and our current character. Our moral fiber is the litmus test, not what we have done wrong previously that we can pay off in time. It is our true self, our capacity to love and understand, which is the ruler on which we are measured. Now, let's talk about another application of past recording. In the book, Memories of a Suicide by Yvonne Piera, and she got this from the spirits of uh, Camilo Bronco. He was a suicide, and he went to this hospital where he, they were told why they should not have committed suicide. He went to a class, and in, in this whole class where they took each person one by one, and they sat him in this contraption in front of the class, and there's a type of a screen, but it's more like a hologram, where the memories of the person in the chair become real to the entire audience. And the first person to experience the interrogation is a person called Amadou, Amadou Ferrari. Now, in his life where he committed suicide, he had cancer. And to pay for his treatments, he embezzled money from the bank where he worked. His cancer was attacking his tongue and his throat. Then his previous life appeared on the screen. This is what was written, <coughs> excuse me, in the Memories of a Suicide. Amadou appeared to us, depicted by his own mind, in the year 1840 as a trafficker of black slaves from Angola to Brazil. He was from Portugal, which explained our affinity to him. By means of a series of voyages, he enriched himself with the abominable trade, not sparing any efforts in his vile ambition of returning to Portugal as a millionaire. He inflicted indescribable torment on the wretches as he rounded them up in their free homeland to make slaves of them and handed them over to other ignoble accomplishes, sharing the same deranged ambitions. In the truculence of inhumane conduct, conduct, he excelled in the mistreatment of his captives, ordering them to be flogged for the most insignificant wrong, or even for no wrong at all. Once on one of his plantations, he raped a black slave who was little more than a child. Her poor father was an elderly slave, 60 years of age. In a moment of supreme suffering, before the body of his child, he, who had chosen death to hide her shame, he had condemned, am, condemned Amadou's vile act, accusing him of his daughter's suicide. In retaliation, Amadou had ordered cruel farmhands to burn the old slave's tongue with a red hot iron until he collapsed in convulsions of agony. So imagine you're seeing this past life, what you did wrong. Now, in the life where he committed suicide, or in the life actually when he had the slaves, he died a rich man, I should say. Then when he died, he finds himself in a jungle surrounded by his old mistreated slaves, all wanting revenge. This is why some... You know, that's why some people are obsessed because they've done bad things to other people in past lives. And these spirits who are, haven't learned to forgive are trying to get revenge. He spends years there tormented by all around him until one night his old slave, whom he burned out his tongue, came up to him and says, come master, get up, let's leave this place. So this guy forgave him. Now, the instructor explains to the audience that many of the slaves came from past lives as oppressors. And this old, poor, poor old slave that lost his tongue, it actually was a general who, who 
was working for the Roman Emperor Hadrian. He committed many crimes, and therefore he paid his penance as a slave. Now, at the end of the interrogation, the instructor revealed a surprise. Mm -hmm. So a side door slightly opened, and then this slave who he burned out his tongue uh, appeared, serene and grave, and he walked towards his formal master, right? And, and Amadou looked at him in terror. And then, But as he was walking, this old slave, transformed himself right because you can you can easily configure yourself as a spirit to who, look whoever you want to be who you were he transformed himself into his father in the life he committed suicide into romulo ferrari amadou's father so this slave forgave him and volunteered to become this person's father so the machinations of the spirit world are a wonder to behold when you read about the relationships that have been set up in the spirit world for us incarnates, it makes you think, who exactly is my mother and father, brothers and sisters, and other relations? We are all intertwined in the business of forgiveness, learning, and salvation. We should look around and try to determine who we are having trouble with right now and what extra effort we should make to be at peace with that person. So what did Rami learn? So Rami examined her life's records. She felt herself being drawn out of the blackness and traveling toward the mountain where the wrecked car and her body was laying still, almost lifeless. She realized that she was between life and death, nearly ready to pass over. Rami was able, for a finite instance, to feel what spirits feel, a sense of the love and joy that permeates the higher spheres. This is what she, she wrote. I recognized the light from the meditation experiences I had, moments of insight, spiritual experiences, strong experiences of unconditional love. Actually, I realized this light was threaded inside every moment of my life, and I have always, always known it and had access to it. I felt a deep intimacy and powerful love, a great surrender, relief, and joy. From what I have seen, our lives were threaded with this light that fills the gap between each moment. She's right, as Spiritism tells us. So it's the whole atmosphere of the spirit world is love, and it's that light. At each and every situation, every thought, the light is always available to us. If we're aware that it's there, we can remind ourselves to call on it, to connect to it. I was now sitting near this light, near the source of it. I had never felt it so strongly. It was everywhere. Everything I have ever needed, everything I need are, everything I might ever need in the future, everything was this light. I knew I could trust this light. So this white divine light is what we are seeking. Romney instinct instinctively knew she had a choice to make, either stay on earth and complete her assignment or remain where she desired. Romney was wise enough to understand that she still had more to learn. Lives are not to be wasted. They are meant for us to use for the maximum gain. There is no limit how much we can learn to be true spiritual beings. We just have to take the initiative. The sight and warmth of the divine light changed Romney. She wrote, I realized my purpose is to connect to this light I saw and share it with others. I felt a great urge to put my hands on people, transmit some of the light, especially in the first year after the experience. Whenever I want, I can close my eyes and connect to this experience, which immediately brings me to a place of trust in love. This is why the effort to allow our love to grow is worth the sacrifice. To fill an eternity of affinity with all that you love outweighs the temporary material pleasures one could ever attain on earth. 
And that's why it is so important to learn how we should modify ourselves. In my book, How to Live Inner Peace Through Spiritism, I write about what are the steps? What, what do spirits tell us? Well, how should we improve ourselves? How should we make ourselves ready to go into heaven and be successful and get into that layer and get into that marvelous life? And there's nothing better than heaven. That's why it's called heaven. And that's why it's true. Now, if you want to learn, why should you do the effort to modify your life, to, to deprioritize your quest for material goods and, and higher priority in order to start studying and trying to change yourself, trying to listen to your conscious, listen to your thoughts. I explain what heaven, what heaven is like, how we are educated, still educated in heaven. I explain how Jesus rules us as the governor of our planet, how he is inactive in our lives, not just here on earth, but in the planet and all the spiritual and other planets besides. I talk about in my second book, this is a series of three books, Heaven and Below. The second book is Spirits and the Spirits, or, uh, you know, the Spirits and the Spirit Universe, I should say. It tells us what are the attributes of a spirit, how you grow as a spirit, what are the power of the spirits? What can you do? And then in my book, How Spirits Guide Us, I talked about how we are guided, how we are mentored, how we have guardian angels, and what is the future of the planet. So anyway, I hope this has been useful to you, and I want to say, everyone, God bless. God bless to everyone.